0: Friends, as we open the scriptures and interpret them for one another today, let me invite you to open your Bible or the pew Bible in front of you or follow along on the screen. We're going to read from Paul's letter to the Romans, and it's chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. This may not seem like a usual Advent Christmas kind of text, but I hope that you will see as we talk about it that this is the good news of the incarnation, uh, that Jesus comes to us, God in the flesh. So listen to what Paul says about that, Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by His blood, will we be saved through Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you remember when you were a kid? The anticipation that you felt this time of year? And every day of December, as you got closer and closer to Christmas, you got more and more excited. How many of you remember that sense of excitement that happened? And what were you so excited about? Presence, Presence right? Let's just be honest. It's good. We're in church. It's good to be honest. We wanted the stuff, didn't we? We wanted to rip open the packages and see what Santa had brought and to share in the excitement uh, of that morning. Today I want to remind you that the Church of Jesus Christ has set aside an entire season dedicated to exactly that kind of waiting, and we call it Advent. Friends, this is our Advent season, and it starts today. But instead of just merely waiting to open presents, we are getting ready for the coming of Jesus Christ, for God in the flesh who is coming to be with us on Christmas. And so Advent means coming, and there is this twofold kind of coming. We look backwards to the coming of Christ as a baby in a manger, and we look forward to the coming of Christ as the returning king in glory. Now, here's what's so countercultural about this. The world has been doing Christmas since about the middle of October, Right? And my theology professor used to call this time of year, hallow thanksmas, right? Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It's like all crammed together one season of gorging and of buying and of spending. But the church says, wait, the church says, hang on, there's something here worth waiting for. There's someone here worth getting your heart ready for. Make ready, prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. And that's what Advent is all about. Because, because we know that the coming of Christ on Christmas changes everything. He changes everything. And so welcome to our new sermon series. It's called Change the World. This series is based on two big ideas. One, that the coming of Christ changes everything. And secondly, as we are being changed, he invites us to participate with him in changing the world. And so here's how I'm going to suggest we might do that together across these four weeks. First, to start with guilt second to raise expectations third to quit playing it safe and fourth to welcome the child and we'll unpack those ideas as we go through the series Uh, But let me acknowledge, I I realize not everyone believes we can change the world. Uh, For some of us, that's a little bit big or a little ethereal, perhaps. Um, If you do believe we can change the world, great, but that's okay if you don't. But maybe you at least believe we could change our community, or maybe you at least believe we could change our church, or maybe you at least believe that there's something inside of each of us that needs to change. You know, maybe you're looking for more peace or maybe you're looking for a deeper love for God. Or maybe you're looking for more reconciliation in your family. Or maybe you're at least looking for a Christmas that is less about the stuff under the tree and more about our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if that's you, then this sermon series is for you. And this is how we would change the world. First, let's start with guilt. Let's start with the emotional experience and the spiritual reality of guilt. Now, I know that when some of us hear the word guilt or think about what it means to feel guilty, especially in church, we cringe just a little bit, right? And why? Because way too many times people like me have used guilt to try to manipulate people like you. And many of you have grown up and have cast off rightly so You have cast off that burden of guilt that some religious person has laid on you. So let me say right up front, we unequivocally reject the use of guilt to try to control or manipulate people. Uh, That just does not work in the long run. It might work for a little bit, but not for very long. In fact, if you've ever had the guilt trip from someone at church or from a spouse or a parent, you know that gets pretty old pretty quick doesn't it? And so too much guilt produces hopelessness. And we say, oh, I guess I'll never get it right. Too much guilt produces paralysis. We say, oh, I just won't try anymore. And too much guilt produces pity. And we say, oh, you poor thing, right? But but just the right amount of an awareness of our guilt produces very healthy results. And I want to try to unpack that and help you see what I'm talking about and what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he thinks about Our guilt. So in January of this year, together with Austin Wheeling, who's in the AV booth back there, and with Gary Sullivan, our council chair, the three of us went to Puerto Rico for four days January 1st through the 4th, and we went to explore a mission opportunity. Uh, for a relationship between Timberlake Church and the people there. You will remember, some of you, at Christmas time last year, we raised $70,000 to bless the people of Puerto Rico and help them recover from the effects of Hurricane Maria on their island. So the purpose of our trip was to go and establish relationships with people there to assess the needs and uh, then to plan future mission efforts. And you can see just in this picture, uh, I think, the beauty and the devastation Uh, that happened on that island. Um, You can see trees are knocked down. That house on the right, the roof is missing. Uh, There is what looks to me to be a boat in the center there where it's not supposed to be. Anyway, a beautiful, beautiful place that was just destroyed so horribly by winds. Um, And so we went to see what we could do. So one of the people we met while we were down there uh, is a woman named Mamita. Mamita lived in a little three-room house right near the coast, and that's her there in the center. We went to hear her story and to pray with her and to get to know what's going on in her life. Um, Mamita had so much damage to her roof that it now leaks continually, and FEMA, in their wisdom, they offered her new furniture for her house. (laughs) I mean, I love the federal government. God bless them. My dad works for the federal government, but come on, right? She said, no thanks. She said, no thanks, because it's just going to get ruined by the rain. She said, I need a new roof. That's what I need. Uh, So Mamita lives in this house with no electricity and no running water. And um, at nighttime, she puts all her canned food in the refrigerator, not because the fridge works, it doesn't work, but it has a nice tight seal around it. And so the rodents cannot eat her food while she's sleeping. Okay, so I walked out of her house, and you know how I felt? I felt guilty. I felt guilty because I have so much and because she has so very little. Now, please note this. Mamita did not do or say anything to make me feel guilty, okay? Uh, She did not pour it on or say, why aren't you doing this or that? In fact, she made me feel good because of her sense of gratitude. And she's saying, you're telling me there's hundreds of people in Virginia, in a church I've never even heard of, who care about me And you came to bless me and to hear my story. She was moved by your generosity. And she told us her story through her tears. And so I had a a sense of delight about what God was doing in her life to give her peace in the midst of all these things that she was facing. But at the same time, I thought, gosh, surely there is something we can do to help those who have so little and us who have so much. And so this is some of what we have done so far. We have partnered with the Levittown church in in, uh, Toa Baja, which is a province just west of San Juan, and we repaired their roof. This is a picture of the roof. Uh, The church had a ton of roof damage and to the point where water's coming in. They could not meet for worship. They could not store their mission Uh, products and projects and operate there as they had been. So we fixed their roof and then we sent a team in July to do painting and to do repairs. And this is a picture of our team that went from Timberlake to uh, Puerto Rico in July to partner with the Levittown Church to help them put their ministry center back together together again. Now, just for those of you who are number people who like to kind of get an update, let me show you some numbers of where we are and where we've been. So we raised approximately $70,000. This is what we've spent. We spent about $26,000 to fix their roof. Uh, We spent about $4,600 to fund the mission team in July, and that leaves us a little less than $40,000 remaining. Now, we have designs on continuing to spend that. We're not finished, Um, But this is an ongoing effort. If you can imagine, if the roof was ripped off your house and there was not a Home Depot you could go to to just put on a new one, this might be an extended recovery process. So we're hoping to send a youth mission team next summer. If you're interested, Pastor Matt would love to hear from you. He's gathering up adults and students even now to go next summer. And we're also imagining other projects like a medical mission team and other possible interventions. Uh, What we've learned is medical missions is really complicated. And it's really hard to imagine how we might bring medical care across borders and to bring it to people who need it and all the logistics that go with that. So we're very willing, but sometimes it takes some help on the other end, if that makes sense. So we're working on all of that together. But this is, this is kind of where we are to give you a sense for what God is doing and what Timberlake is doing in these efforts. So here's the thing about guilt, friends. Guilt is more than a feeling. Uh, guilt is a spiritual reality. Whether or not you feel guilty, and some days we do, right, and some days we don't, uh, whether or not we feel guilty, we are guilty, right? We are guilty of what? Of breaking God's law, of disobeying God's word, of hurting people we love, of wishing bad things for our enemies, right? We are guilty, and there's a three-letter three word that we use to describe that kind of guilt, and we call it sin, Sin. Now, nobody really loves to talk about sin. Nobody would really loves to hear about sin. But my job is to tell you the truth. And so I'm telling you the truth today. We are sinners. We are sinful people. We are guilty of sin. And to put it in forensic terms, in the courtroom of justice where God is the judge sitting on the bench, you and I are the defendants and we have been found guilty. Now, that's the bad news. Here's the good news. God has made a way for us to be set free of that guilt. We have a defense attorney who is incredible because he has exchanged his own life for ours. Let's look at how Paul puts this in the letter to the Romans, chapter 5, starting with verse 6. Paul says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. That's true, isn't it? Most of us can imagine dying for our loved ones, like your kids, right, or your grandkids. But what about for a neighbor? Would you die for a neighbor? What about for a stranger? Would you die for a stranger? What about for a wretched, sinful, awful, terrible stranger? Not too many takers, right? But that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He died for all the terrible, wretched people of this world, including you and including me. Friends, this is the extraordinary good news that God has for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we who deserved this punishment were set free by God's mercy, and the one who did not, the only one who did not deserve it, took it on our behalf. Look at verse 8. God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners... Christ died for us. Do you see this? God did not wait for us to get our act together or even to turn back toward God or to acknowledge our sinfulness. God offered the sacrifice in advance to make our repentance possible, to make our forgiveness possible. You see, and there's a good reason for that. It's because sinners cannot absolve themselves of guilt and people in captivity cannot set themselves free. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. Look at verses 9 and 10. Now that we have been justified by His blood, will we be saved through Him? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? Friends, this is what Christmas is about, This is what Christmas is about. This is the reason God took on flesh in the form of a little baby born in a manger in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. God loved you so much that he offered his only son to die in your place. So that, two things. One, you can be reconciled to the God who made you. You see, our sin causes us to be separated from God. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed how our sin causes us to be separated from each other? The same is true in our relationship with God. So Jesus provides reconciliation. Jesus also provides salvation. We are saved from sin and death and condemnation. We're saved, Paul says, from the wrath of God. And we're also saved for something. We're saved for new life. We're saved for eternity with God in heaven. Now, only Jesus can accomplish this. Why only Jesus? Jesus is uniquely qualified to offer us salvation. Do you know that? And here's the reason. Because only humans need saving, right? But only God can save. So Jesus is fully God and fully human. He's not half and half. He's fully God and fully human. Only humans need saving, but only God can save. Jesus is uniquely qualified as God in the flesh to bring our salvation. Now, to get to that place where we accept that, you have to be willing to acknowledge your guilt before God and say, God, I'm terrible, (laughs) but I'm grateful that you love me anyway. And so what I want invite you to do right now is just take a moment of prayer and pray that with me and acknowledge to God that we are guilty and ask God's forgiveness. Uh, sometimes people say, I don't really know what that sounds like, Pastor, or how do you pray that prayer? How do you acknowledge that to God? I want to try to give you some words to do that. So I'm going to pray out loud, and you might want to pray silently. You don't, certainly don't have to, but you're welcome to. Pray silently while I pray out loud, and let's acknowledge our guilt before God and ask for God's help and forgiveness. Merciful God, we are guilty. We have disobeyed your word and your will, and so we confess our sin. God, I ask for your help. I accept the forgiveness that you offer by the blood of Jesus Christ. I accept the gift of salvation that you give in his name. And please let me, O Lord, be a follower of Jesus Christ today and forever and ever. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or for the hundredth time, that means you are a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you have said that and acknowledged that and accepted that today for the first time, please tell someone. Please tell someone about it. Don't keep it to yourself. You can tell me or Pastor Matt. You can tell the person sitting next to you or anyone, but tell someone what God is doing in your life. Friends, you see... When God begins to forgive us, we realize there is an opportunity and an obligation that we have to share that same good news with other people. And when God begins to set us free from captivity to sin, we realize there is an obligation and an opportunity for us to participate in what God is doing in the lives of other people. The two, some of the the most important words, two of the most important words in the whole scripture are, so that... So that you are forgiven, so that you can announce forgiveness to others. And you are set free from your sins, so that you can tell the good news that others can also be set free from their sin. And your life is being changed even now, so that you can participate with God in changing the lives of other people. So last year, our big idea was Puerto Rico. Last year at Christmas time, we wanted to change lives in Puerto Rico. This year, our big idea is to feed hungry people right here in our community. One of the things you'll notice about Timberlake if you've been here very long is that we like food. We like to eat food. We like to feed food to each other. We like to feed our hungry neighbors. And we just love all of this food that God has blessed us with. Not least is the feast at the table, right, that we come and share every week in this service. And I hope you're starting to make connections, if you haven't already, by the way, between this table and the feeding we have, and then the feeding that we do out there in the community for hungry people. Are you making that connection, how God feeds us and we can feed others? So, Here's the invitation to participate this Christmas and this coming year in what God is doing through us to feed hungry people, to pray, to serve, and to give, okay? So first, we can all pray. We can pray for our hungry neighbors. We can pray for our church that God would mobilize us. We can pray for ourselves. God, do what you need to do in my life so I am receptive to what you want me to do in the lives of others. Secondly, we can serve. There are so many ways that you can participate in our feeding of hungry people. I started to make a list this week. Here's just a few. The fill-in station food pantry, Thursday meals for the sick and shut-in, Wednesday evening dinners, Sunday morning breakfast, Brookville High School food pantry, Brookville Middle School snack ministry, Parkview community mission dinners, Meals on Wheels, our daily bread, the list goes on and on and on. Friends, we are a church committed to feeding hungry people, and you can come and help serve. The third way you can participate is to Give. On Christmas Eve this year, we are going to receive a Christmas Eve offering, and the church council has said, you know what? Let's take 100% of that gift, and especially because we are doing so well financially, we are free to give that all away. So 100% of what you give on Christmas Eve will be given to feeding people in our community, right here in our neighborhood, people who are in need. And this is my challenge to you, to bring as much on Christmas Eve For the offering, as you spend on your own family for Christmas gifts. Okay, now you say to me, well, Pastor, now hang on, because we spend a lot of money. See, you're man, you're asking a lot. Yeah, we spend a lot of money on our kids and grandkids, don't we? On stuff that they'll play for for a day or two or a year or two, and then it kind of goes away. Uh, Isn't the need of our hungry neighbors at least as important? as those toys that we put under the tree for our kids and our grandkids. Friends, we can, we can change the world. We can change the world. Because that's what God has done. 2,000 years ago on Christmas, Jesus came into this world and into our lives. And how extraordinary that now he's inviting us to help. Let God's people say amen. Amen.